Happy Wednesday and welcome to Detroit Today on WDET 1019 FM or listening online at WDET.org. I'm Sandra Sabota, your host today, and we are following Detroit's primary elections. Yesterday, Detroiters went to the polls voting for mayor, city council, city clerk, and an open house seat. And we're going to talk about all of those results on the show today. We want to hear from you. Did you vote yesterday? Did you not vote yesterday? Plenty of people did not vote yesterday. What do you think of the results? You know, if you work in the city or you have a stake in the elections, even if you don't live here. So what do you make of the results? Give us a call during the show here at 313-577-1019. And we'll talk about maybe the biggest primary race between incumbent mayor Detroit, Detroit incumbent Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan and State Senator Coleman Young II. Let's hear a bit from each of those candidates last night as they soundly defeated the rest of the primary candidate election field for mayor. First, here's WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter talking to Mike Duggan. You know, I, I, I just sat there watching the numbers come in and we couldn't believe them. So it's a, it's a very special night. Talking to some people, they still bring up the two Detroits, that they still see the investment in the downtown. Is it going to get out to the neighborhoods? Well, Your reaction to those comments? The, the numbers that I saw tonight look like we carried every single precinct, so it looks like it's one Detroit. I mean, we really know. We spent the last four years just getting the street lights on and the buses running and the grass cut. Now, we're going to build a Detroit where there's opportunity for everyone. And the, the partnerships we're forming with people like the Blacks Lake, like the uh, uh, Baptist ministers and the like is really coming together well and I know we can land businesses now we just have to get our residents to, to get the skills to take those jobs and we'll, we'll be going the right direction I thought I should be judged on the population I do believe the population is going up right now the data we get from DTE energy and household hookup says that it is but uh, the people of Detroit know what's going on and obviously they feel good about the direction I'm not really worried about the opponent uh, but everybody at my cabinet knows we're going back to work tomorrow morning uh, and we're working twice as hard. Uh, when you start patting yourself on the back is when you trip and fall. And so uh, I'm going to outwork my opponent every single day for the next three months. Okay, that was Mayor Mike Duggan talking to WDET's Quinn Kleinfelter last night. Now let's hear from State Senator Coleman Young II. Be facing Duggan in the primary. He was speaking with a group of reporters last night, and this audio comes from the Detroit News. We have worked, we have sweat, we have bled, we have fought, and now we are here. We are standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, of our grandparents, and their parents. The spirit of the Honorable Coleman Alexander Young. and our children have no recreational center. No more! We have billions of dollars flowing through downtown and 100,000 people are facing water shutoffs. No more! We have billions of dollars flowing through downtown and you got folks who sitting in the county jail right now because they asked them about their insurance and they ain't got it because it's too damn expensive. 
Will we have crime in our streets without police officers walking the beat, okay. without police officers in many stations, okay. and without police officers and firefighters and emergency services personnel who live in the city That's where they work? Since we got this victory, it would be apropos for me to lay down a challenge. I want to debate Mike Duggan right now. Okay, that was State Senator Coleman Young II, who finished second in the primary yesterday to Mayor Mike Duggan. Uh, You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Sandra Swoboda hosting, and I am certainly not doing this show alone as we unpack Detroit's primary election. Joining me in WDET studios are Keith Owens, the editor of the Michigan Chronicle. Keith, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. And Nancy Kaffer from the Detroit Free Press. Thank you, Sandy. I'm surprised you two don't have more coffee in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) And also WDET's own Pat Batchelor, who hosts Morning Edition, who was probably getting into the studio as the rest of us were going to bed last night. Pat, welcome. Welcome to you and uh, to our guests here. All right. So, Pat, we heard from the two candidates. Tell us, tell us their voting, uh, their voting results. What did the, what kind of numbers did we see in the mayoral race, and then also kind of city council across the city? Well, nothing really surprising in the mayoral race. Uh, I think we all kind of figured that uh, it would come down to Mike Duggan and Coleman Young. Uh, Duggan, of course, was the top vote getter. Uh, he uh, earned about 69 percent of the votes cast. And I should point out that uh, for the citywide races, which include mayor, clerk, and the at-large council seats, turnout was just under 14 percent. Duggan won 69 percent of the vote, followed by Senator Young at 27 percent. There were six other candidates on the ballot. None of them uh, finished uh, with uh, one percent or better, and there were about 1,400 votes cast for writing candidates. That accounted for about two percent of the vote. Uh, As I mentioned, the clerk's race uh, was up for grabs, too. Several candidates there. The incumbent, Janice Winfrey, was the top vote-getter. She earned 51 percent, and she'll face Garland Gilchrist II uh, in the November November general election. He was uh, the uh, um, he was the uh, uh, number two vote getter at twenty uh, percent of the vote. And uh, looking at the at-large seats for council, uh, Council President Brenda Jones and Janae Ayers uh, finished first and second. Their opponents in November will be Beverly Kindle Walker and Mary Waters. Okay, so some incumbents, but one will be leaving the council. So Keith Owens, I want to go to you on this. Uh, you endorsed Mayor Duggan there at the Michigan Chronicle. Are these the results you expected? Uh, can, do you think State Senator Coleman Young can match his sort of tactical brilliance going towards November? Uh, <clears throat> yes, we think I, I do believe Duggan's going to be mayor, you know, and this is pretty much what we expected. I think the you know the polling pretty much stayed consistent. Even the mayor stayed pretty far ahead the entire time, and didn't really see any reason for that to change. I didn't see any, any shocking there. I think that as far as uh, Coleman Young, uh, Senator Young is going, I think that uh, I mean his 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 his, his rhetoric is good. Speaking of the problem is that I think the, the people that the vein that he's tapped into, uh, they're willing they're willing to to scream and shout, but they're not willing to vote. 
And that's the problem. Um, I mean, I mean, you, the people are, are we always gets enthusiastic and say, you know, I'll, I'll debate him in the outhouse. I'll debate him this. I mean, he's, he's got he's got you know, the, um, you know, kind of a gift for gab and the tongue, and people enjoy listening to that, and it gets them going. But when it comes down to the polls, obviously that wasn't enough to bring him out to the voting booth. So I'm not sure I've ever been involved in a conversation using the word outhouse involving politics on uh, on the radio. <laughs> Nancy Kaffer from the Free Press, what was sort of your biggest was there a surprise last night? I mean, I was surprised by the by the margin. I mean, I think we all knew Duggan and, and Senator Young would advance. Uh, and I think we all figured that the mayor would have a, a pretty big win, but that's a 40-point win. That's a lot. And I think, you know, Senator Young was very optimistic, but that's going to be really uh, all but impossible to overcome. Um, you know, it, it, I, think that the, I think that Senator Young is uh, voicing a very important perspective about the city that I hear from people all the time is this recovery or whatever we're calling it, uh, including everyone. Is it really distributing resources to the neighborhood? But yeah, the results show that enough people weren't fussed enough about that to get out and vote. Now, it's not just, I think, quite as simple as people weren't able to get out or you know didn't get out and vote. We also have to think about the structural barriers to voting. This, the areas of the city that are most likely to have heavy voter turnout are also the areas where things are going the best. They're areas that have higher levels of education, and there's a direct correlation between education and, and voter turnout in no small part because the more advanced your education is, the more uh, uh, secure your job is, the more you're able to say, I'm going to be an hour late because I'm voting. I have to take off early to vote. If you're working a minimum wage job, you don't have that luxury. And there's a lot of stuff we could do to make it easier for people to vote as a state. We're not really doing that. Internet voting, no reason absentee voting, same day registration, all that stuff would make it easier for people to vote. We don't do that stuff. I actually talked to a first-time primary voter uh, yesterday. Her name was Tina, and she told me that she came out because she finally realized how important this election was. So I want to let us hear from Tina for a second. Well, actually, um, this is really my first time voting in the primary. I usually wait to the, the November election, but I found that, that this is pretty much more important, you know, just to get them to the um, November election. So this is really my first time coming out as a primary voter. She uh, told me she was flashing her uh, I voted badge and she said she was going to go back to her neighborhood. It was about seven o'clock. She was going to go back and try to rustle up some more voters. Um, but and I talked to her later. No, nobody took her up on it. Um, but her, her response when I asked her what got her out, she had actually worked on a campaign. And so that made her realize the importance of who wins the primary going towards November. But it was also a bit of the voter education process. She said a lot of people don't know there's an election. They don't realize what's at stake. Nancy. That's another issue. You know, we used to have primaries in September, uh, which school has already started. People aren't as much. In August, a lot of people are on vacation. They're not in town. Um, it's just, it's a, we used to have primaries in September. I'm not sure how much our, our turnout changed back then, but we have a lot of races in this state, particularly uh, for the legislature, that are decided in the August primary, and special interest groups, I'm speaking statewide, not necessarily the municipal elections, are able to really rally voters to come out and decide these things in, in August before a lot of people are even aware that there's an election happening. And we have to, I think, as part of the responsibility of all of us to help orient voters to the primary as a huge, important deal and one of the times when it's really important to get out and vote. Obviously, that's not happening. Very low turnout in Detroit yesterday. But a primary election, I feel like average turnout is below 30%. I mean, we don't have ever in a, in a, in a primary, an August primary, ever really have a particularly impressive turnout. Keith, your opinion on that? Well, I think it's true. I mean, you don't have a high turnout. I think that, um, but also, um, and I, I agree with what, what, um, what Nancy is saying in terms of what it takes to bring people out and we shouldn't make voting uh, easier, but I also think that that I mean number one that 
it doesn't explain a 40% gap. You know, I think that, you know, I think that there's... Oh, no, no, not at all. Right. <laughs> you know, I think that there... But, um, but I do think that um, in terms of the reason why people didn't come out, um, especially with, we, with nice weather, but once again, it's off year, et cetera. But still, the, the results in terms of the, the strength of the results, you know, I think still show in terms of what people were thinking, you know, and what, who they preferred, mm-hmm. who they didn't prefer. I think particularly with the mayor, I think in, well, that, that election in particular, um, uh, regard, you know, that wasn't going to change. I think, you know, more voters, I don't think that would have narrowed the gap necessarily. No, I, I agree. It is definitely the, the issues with, with structural issues with voting don't explain this very, very wide gap in, in results. But, you know, it, it really does seem to indicate, although it's, it's, it's difficult to read too much into such a small turnout, a very small um, percentage of Detroiters vo- voicing their opinion in this election. But the tale of two cities narrative that, that Senator Young really hung his campaign on does not seem to have resonated with enough voters. Yeah. I think, if I can say real quick, too, I think that's absolutely true. I think, and like you, I mean, I've, I hear that from a lot of people. A lot of times, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost as much as you hear it. You're, you, are, you are surprised at the, that it was so wide a gap after mm-hmm. you. And I, every time I go, I hear somebody else saying the same thing. But one thing I might, I mean, we're all speculating, but I think that may partially explain that is when you're looking at Mayor Young's, uh, I'm not Mayor, what my God, uh, <laughs> Senator Young's. Um, uh, position and that I think the problem is is that his message was still not just rhetorical was also largely negative. In other words, mm-hmm. there there weren't a lot of what we're going to do to overcome that. I mean, and I think that's the problem is that, you know everybody can get up and say, you know I'm upset about this, I'm mad about that. Um, you know they're taking our Detroit, the true Detroit narrative, and everybody says yeah that's right, yeah that's right. But then there wasn't a whole lot about what we're going to do to address those. I, mean, I, I happen to think that some of the things he says, he's not all wrong <laughs> in things that he's saying. He's, he's, he's not all wrong at all. But the problem is like, okay, what, you know, what do we do? Where do we go? And we didn't hear a lot of that. And then in contrast, you have Mayor Duggan, who had a, a very positive campaign That's pointing right. to things he's accomplished. When he was in the free press for an endorsement interview, we asked him whether enough change had come quickly enough to enough Detroiters to, to secure him this victory. And he said, we're making progress. We aren't able to reach everyone right now. But now we are we can show people, look, we did this in this neighborhood and they know my aunt, my sister, my cousin, that this happened in their neighborhood. And now they trust us and believe that we're coming to them when we when we are able to. And that uh, that there's that sounds like it resonated. So I want to get to the phones in just a second. We have Tom and Joanne. But what but I kind of as I was listening to you two and thank you, um, the I. I'm hearing a really different description of voter behavior in this local election than we do maybe with national elections. It's not like I don't hear you saying the voters are feeling helpless about the political system. Um, It's just sort of inconvenience or uh, more practical matters that aren't having turnout. Well, no, I mean, that that is certainly a thing that, that we should probably talk about as well. There's a lot of people who maybe don't realize that they even need to engage, that their vote will make a difference. Maybe people who aren't even really, as we talked about, people who are not aware that there's a primary happening. There's also high mobility in the city. People move around. Updating your voter registration is should be easier if you're someone who... Uh, doesn't have a long-term residence. Um, there's stuff like, but but sure, there's there's certainly people who who don't care or don't believe that things are going to get better for them, no matter who is who is in the mayor's seat. Yeah, I think I think also what happened is that I think we're looking at when we're looking at the race and the way the races have been covered, people don't necessarily feel that there's going to be that there's a need for as much change. I mean, with the mayor's race, they didn't see a reason to change it, and if you're looking at okay, Mayor Duggan's probably going to win. 
okay, you know, I think when you're looking at the other thing, there's no, you know, why, should, why do I need to come out? Those that are you're paying attention as much as like, he's going to win anyway. You know, why do I need to go there? So I think there's some of that going on as well. That was the high, most high profile race. I think. That bachelor? Well, looking at some of the turnout numbers uh, from uh, around Southeast Michigan, I mean, it uh, it varied. Uh, the highest turnout, it looks like it was in Gross Point, uh, where there was a public safety uh, question on the ballot, a bond, almost $13 million, uh, and it passed with uh, 53% of the vote. Turnout there was a little better than 30%, so still not high, but typically higher than what you'd get for a primary. And the lowest turnout I found was uh, for the Taylor City Council race, where you had about 8% turnout uh, there. So it does it does vary. Uh, so not, not a lot of surprises, uh, though, in terms of turnout. I foresee an infographic in our future of uh, voter turnout across the metro area. I want to go to the phone. Got all these papers. I know we hear here. as yeah, I hear them. Pa- we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna sit down later with a spreadsheet. It'll be fun. All right. So I want to go to the phones. Uh, Tom in Northwest Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today, Tom. Yes. Good morning. Gotcha. How are you? All right. Thanks for joining us. You know what? Um, Mayor Duggan got his wish because I remember back here earlier in the year. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase. He said that he hopes that, you know, with the primary, that, you know, it's, it's such a lopsided victory that it's a foregone conclusion come November, he's going to be the mayor. And, I mean, you know, when you look at it, when you look at the number, what he got, he got, what, 70, and I think uh, uh, Coleman Young got 27. I mean, that's 43 points. That's hard to overcome because, like you said, even the people who didn't vote for him threw their support behind Coleman he couldn't he couldn't pull it off and you know right now with the way it looks not the way it looks is 80 what is 86 percent of the electorate did not vote now there have to be a whole lot of other people come out and vote for mayor i mean vote for coleman young to you know become mayor and i you know i I don't i don't that's not going to happen and we're going to mayor duggan he's going to be mayor and you know bottom line came down to this with a lot of people and I've heard people say this. I've talked to a lot of people. They said, you don't get off the horse that's running this you know, race in the middle of the race in terms of the way things have turned around and, and the way they're going right now. Ah, so for you, uh, Mayor Duggan's skill is undeniable? Um, I would say yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, I want to go next to Joanne. Joanne in yes, Detroit. Hello. Yeah, well... Um, Gee, I really fault the media for not, for instance, I didn't uh, see a lot of news trying to let everybody know July 10th was the last day to get out the vote. I certainly didn't see you covering all the candidates. I mean, even the New York Times, not that that's who we're talking to right now, but the New York Times in their article, they didn't even mention the other mayoral candidates. It's just uh, Coleman and uh, Mike Duggan. So, uh, frankly, I just don't think the media is doing their job and the people aren't very informed. And, for instance, I don't hear people talking too much about, although some of you have written about it, the problems at the Detroit Land Bank Authority. I would challenge every one of you to have a discussion about the nuisance abatement program at the land bank where they're taking people's property, I believe, in violation of the Constitution. You can't take people's private property to turn around and give it to other private people, and that's what Duggan is doing. Let's talk about the illegal self-dealing 50% discount on land bank auction homes to city so, employees. So, Joanne, Joanne employees let, me, let, me, let me ask you that. Uh, let, let, let me ask our, our guests here. How much do you think, I mean, the land bank has been very, 
much tied to Mayor Mike Duggan. Keith, what is what are your readers telling you that the Michigan Chronicle about how that linked into their voting? Well, I think with the land bank, that not much. I mean, I think that when people are looking at why they voted for Mayor Duggan, I think they're looking basically in terms of what they believe is going to happen. I think that, yeah, there's some dissatisfaction in terms that it hasn't come to the neighborhoods fast enough. There's obviously dissatisfaction in terms of Oh, with you know, with the demolition, you know, etc. I think that one thing that uh, the mayor's done is kind of try to play that down too much. Like that's kind of an oopsie thing, and it's a little bit much bigger than that. But at the same time, I think there's still belief that what's what's happening downtown, the developments happening downtown. I think there's still some belief, or there is belief, obviously, that the numbers show that 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 is going to be coming their way. You know, and that and that the things are going to be coming impre- uh, coming higher. So I think that there is an awareness. What she's mentioning with the land bank, um, once again, I think that people know that, but not. Not enough people are that deep into it where I think that that comes to the point where that's going to affect and say, okay, this is something that's going to maybe not vote for Mayor Duggan. You know what I mean? So I think that that, that's short answer. That's not really affecting a lot of people voting that I'm hearing anything from. All right. We're going to take a short break here and then we're going to come back on Detroit Today, continuing talk about the Detroit City primary elections. We've been talking a lot about the mayor. We're going to get into city council and the city clerk. Stay with us on WDET 1019 FM. Hi, I'm Amanda LeClaire. Listen in today at noon on Culture Shift. Rob Reinhart will be your host. We'll hear about the brand new cover story in this week's Metro Times. That's today at noon on 1019 WDET. Your city. Your town. Your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. And you're listening to Detroit Today on WDET 1019 FM, WDET.org online. I'm Sandra Savota, your host today, and we are talking Detroit elections. We're going to return to that conversation. We're going to return to you callers on the phone in just a moment. I want to tell you what's coming up on the program. We have a conversation I had with Arthur Horowitz. He's the executive editor and publisher of the Detroit Jewish News, celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. So stay tuned for that one. But let's get back into Detroit politics. It is the day after the primary election. We are scratching the surface, I guess, as we look towards November. There are so many candidates and so many issues. But I want to have our guests weigh in briefly about the city council race. I'm going to start with Keith Owens from the Michigan Chronicle. What was your big observation from the from the city council race yesterday I mean the observation is pretty much everyone got in except you know got, got back which was I think that's surprising except for of course um George right I think that I was I was I, I would I, there I knew there was some dissatisfaction in that district I did think that he was going to be among among the top two so I think I was, I was very surprised that he you know came in third in that race you know but um but I think that uh, but other than that uh, and that's significant. He's been in the game for a long, long time. But I think that, that there's also been, I've heard some things that people think he hadn't been quite as responsive in recent years, et cetera. So I think that that kind of thing, and that there's a number of challengers, and um, and that kind of caught up with him. Yeah, Pat Batchelor, you've been reporting for WDET listeners this morning on those results. Uh, what were the what were the numbers there for well, George Cushenberry? In District Two, uh, there were two candidates who, uh, if you'll pardon the expression, uh, pushed Cush out mm. uh, of the uh, of the race. Virgil Smith came in second. The former state senator uh, earned twenty two percent of the vote, and the top vote getter was Roy McAllister Jr. 
with 25%. Uh, Councilman Cushingberry uh, got uh, just a little less than 20%. All of the other incumbents who were on the ballot, uh, one including uh, the city council president and the other at-large council member, Janae Ayers, there was no primary in District 5. Uh, so uh, the incumbent there, uh, Mary Sheffield, uh, is going to face, uh, I believe, Jewel, Jewel Ware, Ware. Uh, yeah. coming up uh, in November. So, And the incumbents won pretty comfortably uh, in, in each district. All right, Nancy Kaffer, were there any surprises about the Detroit City Council races in the Detroit Free Press newsroom last night? Well, the Cushingberry race, I, I like like Keith, I expected Cushingberry to advance. Roy McAllister has run repeatedly, and he's he seems to be just a really solid guy. Uh, he's never quite been able to make it across the even the primary finish. Well, he did make it through the primary mm-hmm. to the general last time. Mm-hmm. He's never been able to make it across the finish line. Looks like he's heading into the general with a pretty good situation. Virgil Smith is pretty close behind him, but... You know, so it, it's yeah, that was pretty surprising. However, the thing with the incumbents confirms this idea that among the 14 percent or so of Detroiters who voted yesterday, they're satisfied with the leadership that's in place. We, you know, returning um, all but one incumbent uh, through, through the to advance to the to the general election. Many with most of them with pretty comfortable. Um, win spreads there. It, that that's you know this is this is saying dissatisfaction for whatever you can read into 14 percent voter turnout. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing huge dissatisfaction with the direction things have been going in. And I noticed Brenda Jones actually had more votes than Mike Duggan did, if you're just counting straight up votes. Now it's a different race and a different process, but still, like, you know, those numbers are. I think she's, I mean, council has been obviously over the last decade and a half pretty wild, and there's been scandal and there's been crazy antics, and she's run a very different council. She's built coalitions to support Mm -hmm. stuff. Council, there hasn't been an embarrassment or a scandal or any kind of spectacle that generated clickbait headlines. I mean, it's been a a tight professional ship. I think, uh, you know, all these incumbents have uh, have done a really credible job, and I think the council president can claim some some credit for She's popular in the community, too. Mm -hmm. All right, so in the few minutes we have left, I want to get back and talk about the city clerk's race because I think that's an interesting one. I've heard from lots of people, but I want to go to the phones right now. We have Terry in Detroit. Terry, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to say, I was listening to the last caller, and, and I just reject the notion that it's the media's responsibility uh, to make me care about voting and make me find out or help me. I mean, you guys can help me find out about candidates, but at the end of the day, as an American, it is my responsibility to get out and vote. Every election is an important election. Primaries are just as important as anything. And it really, really is a civic responsibility. It's like a muscle. You have to work it, and you have to just say, I'm going to own this, and I'm going to do this. Um, The media doesn't get me out to vote. I get up, and I get out to vote because that's what I want to do. So, Terry, help us do our jobs a little bit better going into the November election. How can we help you? What what kind of information are you looking for from your news sources about candidates about issues. Uh, I tell you, uh, let me just bring up that the last caller brought up the land bank and these issues. There's a lot of misinformation about the money that was used for uh, demolitions here in Detroit. There's this myth that uh, the money was diverted from foreclosures to be used. In fact, um, if, if we look into this, we'll, we'll see, and it's very public, that that money was going to end up going back to the federal government because the state of Michigan simply couldn't get enough people to qualify for the programs. So the the money wasn't used, uh, and it was going to go back. And Republicans in Washington, D.C., wanted that money to come back to D.C., and it was going to be deployed elsewhere. So the fact that um, it was um, there was some maneuvering to allow Michigan to keep it and to use it not only in Detroit but throughout the state, 
this, the facts around that need to come out so we can just get that off the table. But, you know, like many issues, we need to really look into things in depth and not accept these surface-level judgments that people throw out. All right, Terry, thanks for that. I promise you we're going to have more extended conversations here on WDET on Detroit Today. I'm sure Keith is nodding and making some notes about Michigan Chronicle coverage there. You can follow there. And Nancy Kaffer from the Detroit Free Press will continue their work looking, uh, investigating some of what's going on in the city and bringing you the voices of the candidates as well. So, Terry, thank you for that reminder. Pat, and, and, now the, and now that we know who is going to be on the ballot in November, uh, we'll be able to uh, uh, meet with those candidates, uh, interview them uh, here. Uh, the WDET News team uh, will be, uh, will be uh, having conversations with candidates and with voters on uh, the issues that matter to uh, people in Detroit and throughout Southeast Michigan. All right. So I want to go back to the phones. Harold in Midtown, he was a voter yesterday. You want to tell us about that experience, Harold? Uh, Welcome uh, to the show. Uh, yes, I did vote yesterday, and uh, I voted after work. My number, I've, I got, I got to the polls after 5:30. My number was number 35, and then in the presidential uh, election, I got the polls after 5:30. My number was 00325. So just, you know, we didn't have big turnout then, not even for the president. My number, so that's all I can really say. What was your experience like there voting? We're going to talk about the clerk's race in a second. I want to know what it was like as a voter there in the polls. As I walked up to the polls, see, I voted out in the person. Oh, he's a registered voter, showed my ID, and uh, went ahead and voted, so it wasn't any problems. The only thing is I do have a little problem because uh, I know, like, the ballots, like, I am, like, visually impaired, so I have to bring my devices to mm-hmm. blow it up because the ballots are kind of small. Everybody does not have good eyesight, but I brought all my... Uh, my magnifying glasses and stuff like that, so I could see. All right, yeah. that's awesome. By the way, I love that you uh, that you that you bring the stuff to enable you to vote, even though it's not necessarily easy for you to do that. Good for you. So Harold uh, talks a little bit about the voting experience there. So let's get into the clerk's race in the three minutes we have left here. Um, Keith Owens, what are you looking forward to in the Janice Winfrey Garland Gilchrist showdown? Um, I, I'm looking for. I'm very much looking forward to their race. I think number one, it was. It was a surprise. I think that <clears throat> I think more more people expected Esther Wheeler would be the one, and Garland Gilchrist. But Garland Gilchrist um, is also thinking is very good. I mean, in our endorsement, we endorsed Esther Wheeler, but also noticed that it was very very close. Barely, uh, yes. Yeah, barely. <laughs> we said just barely. I mean, because I think I think that Gar his um and I think his experience as a you know community organizer it's behind him. He's and also had a, a lot of money behind him. You know, he's able to raise a lot of money. Um, he's a very he's a very sharp guy. So I think that it, it, I. It, it, could, it could tighten up, I think, significantly yeah, towards the end. I think it could be a good race. We endorsed Garland Gilchrist. Uh, I think it was very exciting to see a race that had such strong candidates in it. Um, and I, you know, I think Garland Gilchrist is a very exciting candidate. He's got a, brings a lot of ideas to the table. He's also young. I mean, I mean no disrespect to the older generation of politicians that's, that's been serving the city, but we have to have a bench here. We have to have young people coming in. There has to be some sort of succession plan for who is going to lead this city. We have a couple of really strong young people on council. And we have to start bringing younger people in and kind of uh, figuring out how to use this young energy because we don't want to be a city that has a leadership crisis when this current generation right. of politicians is ready to is ready to stop. I think, however, um, I, I didn't expect. I thought it was. I thought it would be Hester Wheeler and, and Clerk Winfrey who advanced to the general. It's. It's. I think 
I think Gilchrist is a really uh, strong candidate, but I think he's got a really heavy lift. The last numbers I saw, she was ahead of him oh, three, three to one. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the totals we have. And again, none of these results are official until they've been certified by the Board of Canvassers. But Janice Winfrey won a little better than 51% of the vote. Garland Gilchrist uh, came in at uh, 19 and two-thirds percent, roughly. So he does have a gap to overcome between now and the primary. But remember that, or the general election, but remember that we'll have higher turnout, more than likely, in the general election. Uh, He finished about uh, 4,000 votes better than Hester Wheeler. All right. Well, looking forward to November. We have plenty more to talk about. I want to thank all the guests here at WDET for talking about the primary with us. Keith Owens from the Michigan Chronicle, Nancy Kaffer from the Detroit Free Press, Pat Batchelor, WDET's own Morning Edition host. I'm Sandra Swoboda. You're listening to Detroit Today. Stay with us. We're going to have a chat with Arthur Horowitz about the 75 years of the Detroit Jewish News.